Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor. There. He is. Right. He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in the profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers oil for the student newspaper there, the oil of Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. I'll be honest, I didn't put that station ID at the top. That was auto-generated. But yeah, I would say I would say that some of the DJs here at WLUW are pretty attractive. You're talking to one. Welcome into the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm your host, Nick Schultz, here with you until noon. Great to be with you for another week. Yeah, I might keep that in the intro. might get my hands on that. I uh, hope everybody's staying safe today. Uh, obviously, a bunch of snow Getting dumped on the Chicago area, I know down here in central Illinois, we got probably four to five inches, which made it really fun to go on my coffee run that I always go on before the show. It's kind of a superstition. I'm not superstitious, I promise. I'm only a little stitious. But again, hope everybody's staying safe on the roads. I know they're not fun down here. I can't imagine how they are up in the city. And I'm glad you joined me here for an hour of sports talk because we have a lot to talk about, even though there's no football. First time since, well, probably August, there hasn't been an NFL game today. But we still have plenty to discuss. Cubs signed a free agent. Actually, they signed a couple, but one big-ish one. So we'll talk about that. Also, the Bulls last night. Oh, what a heartbreaker. On a, after a questionable call, it's Dame time, baby. I love Damian Lillard. They were shorthanded Blazers team still without C.J. McCollum. But that was a heartbreaker. Dame hitting the buzzer beater to beat the Bulls last night, 123-122. Also have some thoughts on Zach Levine. And I talked about this on the Believe in Bulls podcast on Wednesday, a potential trade that the Bulls could be in on, not involving Zach Levine, which I'll talk about that as well. There's some rumors about that. Blackhawks returned to practice today. They were they canceled yesterday's due to COVID concerns. They played the Blue Jackets, and it was very vague. The statement was about canceling practice yesterday, but they're back today. The game tonight is still on, and there was a blockbuster trade in the NFL last night. So even though there are no games today, we still have something to talk about. Big trade involving an NFC North team and what the implications are for the Bears going forward, and does it drive up the price for Deshaun Watson? If I have time toward the end, I'll talk some college hoops. A lot of thoughts on Loyola, on Loyola and Drake and Bradley, too. A lot of Missouri Valley talk coming up as well. Want to hear from you? Slide into my DMs at Nick Schultz underscore seven on Twitter or reply to my tweet promoting the show. That came out about an hour ago. I usually do that. So shoot me a reply. Shoot me a DM. That's the only way I can interact with listeners now. We're still doing remote shows this semester. But feel free to chime in. I will be reading replies throughout the show. 
but it's going to be a fun one. But we got to talk talk about the Cubs to start because Cubs signed Jock Peterson to a one-year, $7 million contract the other day. Was it yesterday that they did that, day before? Either way, I want, I want to tell you something about that. I think it was Friday. I woke up that morning, and I'm starting to substitute teach at the junior high and high school here in Dwight. And I was tired from the day before. It was a long day. First time being in the classroom, I was, I was tired because I'm lazy. I like to sleep in. And I worked, I bartend at night. So I bartended Friday night, so I wanted to sleep in. So I woke up checking my phone in case I got called a sub, rolled over. I checked my phone and saw an alert that said the Cubs were signing Jack Peterson. And this is like probably 9 o'clock in the morning. And I look at it, and I'm thinking, there is no way. The Cubs signing a free agent? There is no way. I, I, I've got to still be dreaming. I rolled over. And I woke up later, and I saw, no, it was legit. Cubs signed Jack Peterson to a contract. Again, one year, $7 million that fills a void from Kyle Schwarber's departure. And... It was just very interesting to me. Before I go on with this, by the way, I do want to just give the disclaimer. If you hear anything in the background, there are snowblowers going outside. I don't know if you can hear it, but I can. I know I can hear it through my headphones. So just wanted to throw that disclaimer out there. That's not you. That's me. There are snowblowers somewhere around my house right now. But anyway, back to Jack Peterson. Yeah, I didn't expect the Cubs to sign anyone for more than $2 million, let alone $7 million, especially after they let John Lester walk. Well, tweet came out from David Kaplan that day that said, all of a sudden, the Cubs extended the payroll. This is from Cap. Sources have confirmed to me that Tom Ricketts has recently increased the Cubs player payroll for 2021. This has allowed Jed Hoyer some flexibility to reshape his roster in a division the Cubs view as winnable. (laughs) This is before the Nolan Arenado trade, which I'll talk about in a little bit. My exact response, I thought about this for the past hour. And I'm still confused. Would the Cubs have been able to re-sign John Lester for a discount if Tom did this sooner? Or re-sign Schwarber for what they got Peterson? Why the sudden shift? And then Cap responded to me. Said they upgraded from Kyle to Jack Peterson, which I agree. And I'll dive into that. I get that. And this is my response to Cap. But my point is, they've let key pieces, not to mention popular faces, not that that should be a major factor, walk because they supposedly couldn't afford it. Why increase the payroll now? Why not sooner? Like when Jed took over for Theo, what changed? And he didn't respond to me after that. Which, Cap, I don't, I, don't, I, I don't think Cap listens to the show, but Cap, if you are listening, first of all, you got to follow me back on Twitter so I can shoot you a DM and have you on, because I want to talk to you about this stuff. Because there's a lot of layers to this. And, yeah, if you're, if you're listening, let's, let's talk sometime. We'll talk some Missouri Valley basketball, too. But... Man, why is the payroll all of a sudden being extended? It's so random timing. Like, and It's not just the Cubs that have extended their payroll in the last few days in the division. Again, I'm going to talk about the... I got a lot of thoughts on the Arenado trade in a little bit. Why now? Why the sudden shift? Like I said, why not when Jed took over for Theo so you're not handcuffing him? You handcuffed Jed out of the gate. You couldn't bring back John Lester, who was one of your leaders in the clubhouse, would have played for damn near nothing. And that's what Jesse Rogers tweeted the other day as well, because Lester talked to the media last week. He said, John Lester's all class, said he told Tom Ricketts that he was quote-unquote grateful the team wanted him back in 2015. Should be other way around. Meanwhile, he would have played for just about anything in 21 and and deferred the rest, but the team said no. Why would you say no to that? 
It's deferred money. If we've learned anything about Tom Ricketts the last few years when he's been crying poor, it's that if he doesn't have to pay it right now, go for it. Because they don't have any money, was his exact quote in February of 2019. We don't have any more talking about money. That was, the, that was the quote at spring training. I remember it. I wish I could have found the clip. But I couldn't find the audio clip anywhere. I couldn't find the video anywhere. But, man, that hurts. That's the part that gets me. I understand that Jock Peterson is an upgrade from Kyle Schwarber. And so far, I know people are disagreeing. There are people who just like Kyle Schwarber's bat. De- defensively speaking, Jock Peterson is an upgrade. And it's not close. Offensively, yet their numbers were similar, and this one guy who got in on this thread with Cap, Kyle Schwarber stats in 2020, 188 batting average, 11 home runs, 24 RBI, and 191 at-bats. Jack Peterson, 121 at-bats, 7 home runs, 190 average, 16 RBI. So offensively, yeah, they're a very similar player. Defensively, we all knew Kyle Schwarber was a liability. I mean, there is no question about it. He was a liability on defense. Jock Peterson is a better defender. That's an upgrade automatically. I'm not saying this is an upgrade. I like the signing. I really, really do. I just wish this didn't come less than a week, actually in the same week, that John Lester goes on the record and talked about the Cubs didn't make an offer until he was in the final stages with Washington, and they said no to deferred money, I don't like the optics there, and as a Cubs fan, that hurts. Because John Lester was the heart and soul of the team. He was well-respected by the by the roster. One of the most well-respected guys in the locker room, by the media. The media loved him. He was great to the media. I don't like that. Because it looks like they were just done with John Lester. The timing was terrible. And letting Kyle Schroer walk, okay, like I said, you got a better guy in Peterson. Again, one year, $7 million. But Lester signed, I want to say, I just read on NBC Sports Washington, it was a $5 million deal that can go up to $10 million. So up front, it's less than the Jock Peterson signing. Why would you not give John Lester less money? And then they go out and pay $2.5 million for Trevor Williams for Pittsburgh. Your Trevor Williams, solid pitcher, I guess okay-ish pitcher, $2.5 million for a year. They've got to fill out this pitching staff because right now you've got Kyle Schwarber, Kyle Schwarber, Kyle Hendricks, Alec Mills, Zach Davies, who I don't really like that much, the bat boy, the water boy, the clubhouse attendant. Maybe Boog Shambi can come down and throw an inning now that he's in the broadcast booth. The pitching staff is depleted. So I get you've got to round out your staff a little bit. And they got Trevor Williams coming in. There's also rumors that they're looking at Jeff Samarja and Jake Garrietta. As a lifelong Chicago sports fan, I'm seeing some parallels with this. And I don't know how serious these are, but I've heard the rumors, and I do just, it's good talking points. Because, again, it's kind of a slow news day. So, uh, Samarja and Arietta, even just thinking about that, it's very Blackhawks-esque. What do I mean by that? Well, it's apples and oranges. Because the Blackhawks, it was Stan Bowman-driven, the general manager, president of hockey operations. Stan Bowman was the guy who wanted to bring back some of the old Blackhawks. Think Brandon Saad, 
Think Johnny Oduya. Think some of those guys who won the Cups, left, and came back. There was rumor about bringing back Dustin Bufflin at one point. It's I've, I know I've at least, and I don't know about other Blackhawks fans, they've kind of made it a punchline that they turn into, like, win here, oh, you maybe you can come back. Maybe you come back, help us out again. And it worked with Johnny Oduya. But you bring, when you bring back Brandon Saad via trade for Artemi Panarin, which still hurts, you get laughed at. Jeff Samarja was a part of the rebuild the first time around when Theo Epstein took over. I remember when he got traded. I remember that he was great for that team. That team was not good. He was a lone all-star. He got traded before the all-star game to Oakland. And Arietta, obviously, I don't have to say anything about Arietta's time in Chicago. And Philly took a few steps back. So now there's rumor of bringing him back as well. And again, it's just it's very Blackhawks-esque for me, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. I don't know if I want to see Samarja back in a Cubs uniform, especially because I'm hearing that his fastball is topping out at 90. So say you say this happens, say Samarja comes back, gets in the starting rotation, you'd have Samarja, who throws about 90, Kyle Hendricks, who throws about 90, Alec Mills, who throws about 91, 92. You need a guy with an arm. You need some zip. I mean, you can't just be out here throwing... I mean, you, I guess you can get away with it because guys are getting so used to hitting the faster speeds that you bring in a guy, you bring in guys like that, it'll probably throw off their rhythm a little bit. I'm not saying they need to go get like a Michael Kopech kind of guy who can throw 100 every time, which, because that's, that's just not good for a starting pitcher anyway. That's why I don't think Michael Kopech's going to last long as a starting pitcher. You need someone who has an arm, who can, that way you can change speeds. That way you don't have a three, four game series with three, four guys who can throw 90 miles an hour, that's it. Then you can mix in there, like you can throw Hendricks, 90, someone who can throw like 97, Mills who can throw 92. You need someone with zip on that fastball. None of these guys, and Arietta didn't throw the hardest. I mean, I think he topped out, he'd top out at like 96, 97 with the Cubs. I don't know what he's topped out at with Philly. So maybe he can come in and be that guy who can come in and just give you some speed and change speeds a little bit. But right now, I'm not optimistic about the starting rotation. Like I said, maybe Jim Deshays, I should have said Jim Deshays when I was joking about it because, I mean, he did throw. He used to be a pitcher. Maybe he can come down from the broadcast booth, throw on a uniform, and pitch a couple innings. Because that's what it's looking like right now because Lester's gone, Chatwood's gone, Quintana's gone. So you're stuck right now for sure. With Hendricks, Mills, and Davies. Not great. I love Kyle Hendricks. I love Alec Mills. Not great. You need more than three starters. My buddy Jonah Blatt, the Bishop Emeritus of Blurs, writes in, Cubs should take a flyer on Chris Archer, potentially high-reward signing if he does well. Well, Chris Archer, that's a name. That's a Cubs, Cubs farmhand legend right there. He was in the trade for Matt Garza. Back in 2012, Cubs had Chris Archer in the system, and they flipped him for Matt Garza. Look how Matt Garza worked out in Chicago. Look at how Chris Archer worked in Tampa Bay. Didn't do great in Pittsburgh necessarily, but no, I agree that could be that could be a high reward, maybe. With where the Cubs are at, 
in this rebuild, they're not going to get a Trevor Bauer. They're not going to get one of those high-end free agents. They're going to get someone like that who you take a flyer on and hope that they perform. Hope that they turn in decent performances. Hope, hope they don't cost you games. That's just where they're at. Because they're, they're tearing it down. They don't want to say it, but they are. They're tearing it down. And I was on a, I was on a Zoom call last night with some buddies, and one of, the, one of them was Tommy Birch, who covers AAA ball. He covers the Iowa Cubs for the Des Moines Register. And I, was, and I, I like Tommy. We're, we're good pals. And we were talking, and he was like, yeah, they're, they're burning it down. I'm like, I agree with you. Like, I know that. And you look at it, yeah, they, they go out after the season and say, oh, we're not rebuilding. We're retooling. No, this is a rebuild. This was a rebuild the minute you got rid of you, Darvish. The minute you traded Darvish and Caratini for nobody, this is a rebuild. So you got to get into that mentality of, okay, no high-end free agency, no high-end free agents. You've got to get guys like a Chris Archer, like a Jake Arrieta, who can maybe be high reward. That's just where they're at. It sucks. But it's where they're at. It also doesn't, doesn't help that the NL Central managed to get better this weekend. As reports came out, I don't think it's final yet, that the Cardinals are trading for Nolan Arenado. Yet yeah, that's really <laughs> that's really scary. Because they just brought back Adam Wainwright. They just brought back Yadier Molina. And now they're bringing in Nolan Arenado. And they're taking on his $50 million contract. Now, sticking with the topic of money and MLB owners crying poor. In June, or yeah, in June, Bill DeWitt Jr., who owns the Cardinals, said, paraphrasing, in short, baseball isn't profitable. He was talking about how baseball's losing money and the labor negotiations haven't helped. Here's the full quote from Jesse Rogers at ESPN.com. The industry isn't very profitable, to be honest, DeWitt said on 590 The Fan in St. Louis, and I think they, being the players, understand that. They think owners are hiding profits. There's been a bit of distrust there. It's a bit of a zero-sum game. They have by far the best deal of any players in any sport. And going down here a little bit. At some point, we have a right to implement a season at full salary. The only way it makes sense is with a shorter season. I think that's the way it will turn out. Well, that's how it did turn out. Baseball isn't profitable. Baseball players have the best contracts of any player in, NBA, in any sport. They got the best deals of any sport. Baseball is just not profitable. But here's Bill DeWitt Jr. in January of 2021 taking on a $50 million contract. Are you noticing a pattern here? I mean, with the Cubs, I mean, we all know that Tom Ricketts was crying poor in February of 19. So that's not unheard of, that the Cubs big market team operating like a small market team. We've been talking about this now for two years. Hearing Bill DeWitt say that and do this, you've saw, I heard on 670 The Score last week from Bob Nightingale, consider the source, but from Bob Nightingale, that the White Sox are tapped out. And then I did hear on the Danny Parkins show that uh, they have $3 million left in the budget. 
You're hearing all of these, oh, we're crying poor, we're crying poor. Well, Tom Rick has just extended the payroll. Bill DeWitt just extended the payroll. You can bet that if he's if he's asked enough, Jerry will open up his pocketbook and extend the payroll. This is the problem with baseball. The, the owners are sitting there, oh, woe is me. We don't have any money. We're so, baseball's just not profitable. And the, I, know, I know the pandemic hasn't helped. I understand that. The pandemic has taken out a lot of things. And I think we can all attest to that. We've all been affected by the pandemic. I don't want to hear the pandemic as the end-all, be-all reason for why these owners are out of money. Because we know one on the north side of Chicago has been crying broke for two years now. Bill DeWitt said that during the labor negotiations. This was obviously the pandemic was going on. But they're going to, I know the pandemic has been hard. But think about how much money these owners have. I understand not having fans in the stands has taken out a lot of revenue. Trust me, I understand that. I was a sport management minor. I took classes in this. I know how teams work. These owners have a lot of money. I'm tired of hearing them cry poor and then all of a sudden get these big contracts on their books. I mean, I feel very... I feel very old man yells at cloud here because it's kind of preaching to the choir because it's not going to change. But to say baseball isn't profitable, well, first of all, I really think that's not true. And I don't think that's entirely true. To say that and then bring on $50 million. I'm talking, I mean, that is a big contract to the point where I'm pretty sure Major League Baseball has to approve that deal because that's that much money. Give me a break. Jonah Blatt writes in again, it's not that baseball isn't profitable, it's just the MLB has some of the worst ownership in sports, rivaled only by the NFL. That's what I'm saying. The owners are part of the problem. They are a big part of the problem with baseball. And don't even get me started on Rob Manfred, which I'm really glad that Theo Epstein is now with Major League Baseball, and they brought in Ken Griffey Jr. to help with youth initiatives and diversity. Those are two brilliant hires by Major League Baseball. But these owners... I am so sick and tired of hearing them cry poor and then do this. Let's look at the on-field impact, though, of the Nolan Arenado trade. Your catcher is going to be Yadier Molina for the Cardinals. Paul Goldschmidt at first base. Tommy Edmond at second base. Matt Carpenter. Actually, Matt Carpenter will probably move over to second base. And Arenado will be at third base. Paul DeYoung at short. Your outfield... Right now, looks like Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, and Dexter Fowler. That's a dangerous lineup. So all that about how the Cubs could see the NL Central as winnable. That was that's, again. That's from Cap. The reason for the payroll extension. Cardinals trade for Nolan Arenado. You're not winning the division. Not with this roster. Not with empty pockets, supposedly. You're not winning the division. That was a huge trade. But, you know, the owners have no money. And baseball isn't profitable. So, you know, do with that what you will. We'll go watch a basketball game. I watched a basketball game last night. I watched a good basketball game last night between the Bulls and the Portland Trailblazers. Bulls went cold in the second quarter but came back. I thought they were going to win it, man. 
They were looking good. They were playing great in the second half, and then the last 12 seconds, laid an egg. On the inbound, Zach Levine gets the inbound, and a couple trailblazers go over there, and they looked like they were intentionally fouling him. I didn't think it was a jump ball, but the referees blew the whistle quick. Jump ball. Looked at the replay. It wasn't a jump ball. I am very curious to see the last two-minute report come out today, and I'm not sure when that comes out. If it comes out during the show, I will read it on air because that was not a, that was not a jump ball. should have been a foul. Bulls, once again, were on the wrong end of a whistle, and once again, it resulted in a heartbreaking loss because on the jump ball, the ball's fumbled around. Damian Lillard picks it up. Step back three. Bang. Game over. At the buzzer. Trailblazers win. Bulls lose. 123-122. Dame had 44 points. It should have been a foul. It should not have ended that way. That is the second time this year the Bulls have been on the wrong end of a whistle. The first time, being against the Golden State Warriors, they would have won that game if the officials made the right call. But they blew it, and the Bulls lost that game too. The Bulls have been so close this year. I keep saying they're a playoff team. It's because they are. Eight seed in the East. Right now, they sit in 11th in the East. Their record right now, if I can find it, I believe they are now 7 and 11. They could easily be 11 and 7. And they're without Wendell Carter Jr. for the next few weeks because he's got a He's got a quad bruise, quad contusion. I'm sorry if you want to get the medical term, a quad contusion. So he's out for a few weeks. So you're seeing Daniel Gafford in the starting lineup, which I don't love, but I don't hate. Would like to see someone else more proven in there, but you play the hand you're dealt. I'm just glad it's not Cristiano Felicio starting. I'm tired of seeing Cristiano Felicio on my TV. He made a really nice pass last night to Otto Porter Jr., but hey, even a blind squirrel finds an acorn every once in a while, you know? I say that all the time. Usually describes my gambling habits, which I don't usually post about on Twitter, but I was pretty proud of the partway I had last night. Zach Levine, over 25.5 points, check. Patrick Williams, over 8.5 points, check. Thaddeus Young, over 2.5 rebounds, check. He ended up with like 10. Valerie Markinen, over 2.5 threes, check. He had 6. The odds on that were plus 16-16. I was pretty happy last night. So yeah, like I said, I don't usually post or talk much about my gambling habits, but I did want to share that because I, I was really proud of that parlay. I was really hoping it, that the Bulls would have won that game and they should have won that game. But man, that foul call. Bulls should have won last night. But game time. Again, 44 points, including that buzzer beater. I mean, you just, they, it's hard to be mad. If it was someone you'd never heard of hitting that shot, yeah, I'd be mad. You got beat by Damian Lillard. If you're going to lose, lose to one of the best. That's exactly what the Bulls did last night. Also, I think Zach Levine keeps proving his case that he's an all-star this year. My man had no points in the first quarter and finished with 26 including some big ones down the stretch. The one three-pointer that should have probably been the dagger. 
but instead the refs blew the call. I can't I can't entirely blame it on the refs though. Like I'm not one to blame it on blame the whole game on the referees because it shouldn't have had to come down to the referees. When you score 19 points in the second quarter, that's not a recipe for success. Like I get that you don't. It, it should not come down to the whistle. It should. You should be able to control your own destiny, not leave it up to the officiating crew. And I thought the officials had a pretty decent night up until that point. But they were a little quick with the jump ball call. And it resulted in another tough Bulls loss. But yeah, Zach Levine's an all-star. Absolutely. I, I, think the, I think the numbers show it. He should have been last year. I think he is this year. And that's why he's the subject of trade rumors. Supposedly... According to SNY in New York, the Knicks are doing their homework on Zach Levine. And there was, there's a, I saw a rumor out there that the Brooklyn Nets are interested as well. And Casey Johnson at NBC Sports Chicago wrote uh, within the last week or two that the Bulls aren't looking to move Zach right now, which is probably a good thing right now considering they're already down Wendell Carter. I like that Zach's getting more of a profile now, a national profile, and that he's starting to get noticed. I hope he's an all-star this year because he should be an all-star this year. But I don't know if the Bulls should trade him just yet. As we hit the bottom of the hour, I do want to remind you, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University. I'm coming to you from a snowy Dwight, Illinois. Again, I hope everyone's safe out on the roads. If you're listening on the road, if you're staying at home, if you're staying at home in the house, you're smart. Make some soup. It's a good day for soup. And again, if you want to chime in on the conversation, shoot me a tweet at Nick Schultz underscore seven. My DMs are open as well. If you want to slide in that way, Lowry Marketing had a big game last night. Thirty-one points, twelve of eighteen shooting, six of eleven from three-point territory. I'm trying to think of the right words to say here. How do I put this? I told you so. I told you so. I'm going to toot my own horn on this. I am going to be relentless this year because I said during preseason that Lowry Marketing was going to have a big year this year. Everybody was starting to give up on Lowry. Everyone thought Lowry was bad. Everyone thought that he wasn't what he could have been, which he wasn't. Everyone was done with him. I wasn't. I said he needed a coach who knew how to use him. Look what's happening. 31 points, 12 of 18 shooting, 6 of 11 from 3, and he... That's a tough matchup, putting Lowry against Ennis Cantor. I hate that matchup. You, that's where you miss Wendell Carter. Because you don't want Lowry matching up with Ennis Cantor, who's one of the better bigs in the game. But to do what he did after that defensive performance? Yeah, I told you so. I'm not ready to say Lowry should be an all-star yet, but he's taken a leap forward. He's Doing way better than everyone thought he would. I'm just saying, saw this coming. Jim Boylan had no idea what he was doing when he used Lowry Marketing. And here we have Billy Donovan, a proven coach, who said he doesn't want Lowry to be a one-dimensional player. Look at what happened. He's in an offensive scheme that works for him. He's doing really well now. What's he averaging this year? I want to get this number right. Because I, I know I said this the other day on the Believe in Bulls podcast. 
But I want to I want to try I want to really show you his improvement here. Lowry is now up to 19.6 points per game. His career high came in 2018-2019 at 18.7 points per game. Told you. I told you. I don't know if he's going to get that max extension, but he's performing well. Between him and Zach last night, I thought the Bulls were going to win that game on their backs because they just put the they put that team on their shoulders and they were carrying them across. They were carrying them the whole way up until the last five seconds. But yeah, I'm really glad that Lowry turned the corner like we, like like I thought he would, like everyone hoped he would. It makes me really happy. But again, it's not all perfect with the Bulls. I talked about this on Wednesday on the Believe in Bulls podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please do. The first episode went live Wednesday. Another one's coming out this Wednesday. I'm really excited about it. So please subscribe. Please rate. Please review. I talked about this because the rumors were out there. And friend of the show, Brandon Scoop B. Robinson, reported that the Bulls were doing some homework on Lonzo Ball. And Sham Sharania at The Athletic had already reported that the Pelicans were starting to shop Lonzo Ball. So the Bulls are doing their homework on him, according to Scoop B. So I shared my thoughts. And I should have pulled the audio on it to properly convey my point. But I can basically do the same thing here. I Basically what I said, if you missed it, was I wouldn't hate it. I don't know if I'll necessarily pull for it to happen. But I wouldn't hate it. I don't think it'd be a bad trade, depending on who's involved. That's what it comes down to. Would I trade Zach Levine for Lonzo Ball? No. Would I trade Lowry Markkinen? Eh, probably not. But I think for the right package of maybe some, because the Bulls have some draft capital, I think for some draft picks and maybe if you can get rid of like I don't know Denzel Valentine who I've already who I've already said the Bulls should probably look to get rid of. I could see a package that works. I'm trying to find from Bleacher Report here. Here it is. Bleacher Report put out these trade scenarios cuz we're it's trade season, trade deadlines coming up here soon. They put out a potential three-team deal involving the Bulls, the New Orleans Pelicans, and the Houston Rockets. In this mock proposal, the Pelicans would receive Victor Oladipo and P.J. Tucker, which is quite a haul from Houston. I'm a big Victor Oladipo fan. The Rockets would receive J.J. Redick, who the Pelicans are also shopping, 2021 Lakers first-round pick, protected picks number 8 through 30, unprotected in 2022, and New Orleans 2022 first-round pick, which is a lottery lottery pick. It also received Lowry Markkinen, and the Bulls would get Lonzo Ball. So essentially, the Bulls would be giving up Lowry for Lonzo. 
my knee-jerk reaction is to say decent. Because if you give out Lowry, that's a big piece of your starting lineup, and you heard that number, 19.7 points per game this year. I'm not sure how you fill that hole in the starting lineup. Do you get Patrick Williams more minutes? Does Otto Porter jump into the starting lineup in that role? I feel like you kind of have to change your scheme because Lowry can shoot the three really well. So maybe you could see a starting lineup of Lonzo, Kobe, Zach, Patrick Williams, Wendell Carter. And at that point, you'd be playing small ball, which you can get away with. I mean, I, I love, I'm a big small ball advocate. If you can space the floor with a good pace and shoot the three really well, and you can, it's efficient, an efficient offense. I'm a big fan of that if you can pull it off. But you can't always do that. I mean, there are teams that are just big teams. Look at the LA Lakers, for example. LeBron James is their three at 6'9. Anthony Davis is their four at seven feet, 6'11. You can't always play small ball. So that lineup, let me let me get there. Let me get some heights here. Lonzo Ball, for example, is six six. So that'd be a six six point guard. Not bad. Zach Levine is also six six. Kobe White is six four. Patrick Williams is six seven, and Wendell Carter is seven feet. So your starting lineup would be 6'6", 6'4", 6'6", 6'7", and 7 feet. And you'd, you'd have a pass-first point guard in Lonzo, which that's one of the Bulls' biggest needs, if not their biggest need, is a true point guard. I love Kobe White. Don't get me wrong. I love Kobe White. He had a good game last night. He had like 18 points. I don't want to hear him as the point guard of the future because the Bulls don't need a score-first point guard. They need a pass-first point guard, and that's what Lonzo would bring in. And, I mean, Lonzo's put up some decent numbers this year. I mean, he's not, he's not a bad player. I wasn't really high on him when he was drafted. I really thought he was all hype when he was drafted. I'm sure his dad had something to do with that. You know, I'm undefeated, never lost, LeVar Ball. Lonzo's averaging 12.5 points per game, 4.8 assists per game this year through 15 games. Because he did miss some time in there. Comparatively speaking, and I brought this up on the podcast, Kobe White in 18 games is averaging 15.5 points and 5.7 assists per game. Kobe shooting 36.5% from three, 40.7 from the field. Lonzo shooting 40% from the field, 32.1% from three. He's also got that wacky shot of his. I can't even demonstrate it. Like, if I had a video stream, if I had a video stream going here, you you'd see me trying to replicate Lonzo's shot, where he's kind of off to the right, and it it is a funky shot. So I would not have, I would not be trading for Lonzo for his shot by any means. I, he's not that great a shooter, but he's a good passer. Do I think Lamelo's the better of the Ball brothers? Absolutely. I love Lamelo Ball's game. But this would fill a need for the Bulls. 
a true point guard. Again, after last night's game, especially, I'm not sure I give up Lowry Markkinen for him straight up. But at the same time, if you can preserve some draft capital, I could see it. Because you bring in a guy like Lonzo, Zach can go back to being the scorer instead of having to facilitate if Kobe White's having a bad game. And Kobe can be a scorer instead of a facilitator. Plus, Kobe can slide over to the point guard spot if you want to go big. And Lonzo can always move to the two if you want to go big. I wouldn't be real thrilled with that because, again, he's not that great a shooter. And, I mean, that shot of his, I mean, I don't want to say it's unguardable, but that's just how how he makes that work is crazy. Because that, I mean, that is just a funky little maneuver that he has there. And if you haven't looked at, like, a, a slow motion video or a breakdown of Lonzo Ball's shot, look it up. Because it is funky. And I was even watching the game the other night. And just, it's like off to the right. And, man, that is weird. But you know what? If he can pass it well, I think a change of scenery is, would be good for him, especially in a system like Billy Donovan's. I mean, Stan Van Gundy is a he's a he's a good coach. I, w- I if I had to choose between the two, I'm taking Billy Donovan. Maybe he maybe Lonzo could thrive in a Billy Donovan system. He didn't do all that great in a uh, Luke Walton system, and I'm also just not the biggest Luke Walton fan. I wouldn't hate a trade for Lonzo, but I don't know if I'd necessarily advocate for it. You won't hear me out here stumping for a trade for Lonzo. If they do it, I'll tell you why it's a good thing. I'll also tell you why they probably shouldn't give up too much NBA talent. They should give up maybe a draft pick. Or if they do give up NBA talent, they need to keep that draft capital. Because coming up in the next few drafts, Here's what the Bulls have going forward. And I'm going over to Real GM, which is a great site for this stuff. The Chicago Bulls have a 2021 second round draft pick from New Orleans. A 2022 second round draft pick from Detroit or the LA Lakers. And a 2023 second round draft pick to Washington, according to Real GM. I want to say there's a couple more firsts in there, too. These are all traded picks, by the way. So I'm going to definitely do more homework on... Yeah, here we go. The Bulls have all their first-round picks through 2027. In the second round, the Bulls have their own or a swap for the Pelicans. In 2022, that gets a little complicated for me to say on the air because it's just a lot of words. Basically, the Bulls have second-round draft picks through 2027 outside of 2023. So they have draft capital. And this 2021 draft is going to be pretty decent, I think. I really I really like Cade Cunningham's game. 
I, I if you saw what Mac McClung did yesterday for Texas Tech, I like Mac McClung. Which the SEC Big Twelve Challenge, by the way, that is appointment viewing every year. That is a great series. So the Bulls have draft capital if they want to trade for NBA ready talent, or if they want to bank on the future. I mean, I trust Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley in the draft. Maybe go toward the draft instead. I'll have more thoughts on this on Wednesday on the Believe in Bulls podcast. Again, that's the Believe Podcast Network. Check it out every Wednesday. It'll be coming every Monday down the road too, but for right now, we're every Wednesday just until we get our footing here. Briefly, before I get to some college hoops, when I was watching the end of the Bulls game last night, I was on Twitter because I checked Twitter during timeouts, and I saw the tweet from Adam Schefter that said, that Matthew Stafford was being traded. And I read the tweet. And I'm looking at it. I'm thinking, okay, you know what? That's a pretty decent haul. Detroit is dealing quarterback Matthew Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams in exchange for two future first-round picks, a third-round pick, and quarterback Jared Goff, per sources. And I stop and go, and quarterback Jared Goff? Jared Goff to Detroit, Matthew Stafford to L.A. Earlier in the day, I did see a rumor that the Bears were looking to make an offer, if they didn't make an offer already, for Matthew Stafford. If you listened to the show last week, you saw I was not a big Stafford fan. And even Daryl Horwitz, former host of the show, wrote in before the show started, I think Matthew Stafford is totally overrated. There's a reason Detroit was always considered the worst team in the division. If he was a great quarterback, that wouldn't have been the case. I've never thought Green Bay was that good. I think Aaron Rodgers is great. And if Stafford goes up against him on the playoffs, they'll lose. And he also had a thought here on Lowry Markkinen. Uh, it's time for people to admit he's better than he's been credited for, considering how much he gets ripped. Yeah. I mean, I just, I basically just said that. But I'm glad we're in agreement for, we, we usually don't agree, Daryl. I'm glad we're in agreement there. I agree with you on this whole thing. I do think Matthew Stafford's overrated. And I know Jonah's listening, the resident Lions fan. And I, I, he's probably going to disagree with me. And I know my dad will probably disagree with me too because my dad's a Georgia football fan and Matthew Stafford went to Georgia. But I am not a big Matthew Stafford fan. Never have been, really never will be. I hope he does well in LA. Now that he's out of the division, I'll root for him. Yep, here he is. Here's Jonah. Stafford is great. Detroit failed him. Yeah, I mean, I think Stafford's good. I mean, he came in, he turned him around from 0-16. I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback. I'm just saying he's not that he's not great. I'd say he's top-tier quarterback. And when I say top-tier, I mean like top half, top 15 of the 30 teams, top 16 of the 32 teams, wrong league. But here's what it means for the Bears. Stafford's out of Detroit. If I had to choose between the two of these guys, I'm taking Stafford because I really don't like Jared Goff. I... I I think he's another. He's in the same category as Mitchell Trubisky in that everyone was looking at the upside and it just never got there. I mean, they're in the same category to me. And I, my my brother, I I mean, I, I love my brother dearly. Don't get me wrong. I I love him to death. He thinks Jared Goff's a great quarterback, and he's not. I mean, Jared Goff is not that good a quarterback. He thrived the one year under Sean McVay and then fell off. If Jared Goff's not in the same category as Mitchell Trubisky, 
you've got to reevaluate your take because they are in the same category, in my opinion. So now Detroit has Jared Goff. So Bears will play Jared Goff twice a year now, which, okay, I like that matchup a lot better. But the Bears still need a quarterback. There are rumors out there surrounding Jimmy Garoppolo. And I know people have said this, and I, I, I thought it at first too, but after thinking about it, the price for Deshaun Watson after this trade, every, everyone instantly thought, and understandably so, that Deshaun Watson's price was going to go sky high because of what the Lions got for Matt Stafford. I mean, you heard the amount of picks in there. 2021 third-round pick, 2022 first-round pick, 2023 first-round pick. I understand on the surface why people think Watson's price, if the Texans were to trade him, goes sky high because of that. But you also got to remember, Jared Goff has a pretty hefty contract, so the only way L.A. was going to get rid of Goff was if they traded picks with him. So that's why the price was so high. So I'm not sure the price for Deshaun Watson's changed at all. I still say if the Bears were to make an offer, it would start with Roquan Smith and Kylo Mack. But Jimmy Garoppolo rumors are out there. I'm not sure how I feel about Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's okay. I mean, I know he played in a Super Bowl and everything. Like, I, I get he played in a Super Bowl. You know who else played a Super Bowl? Rex Grossman. Which, speaking of Rex Grossman, I want to go on this tangent real quick. I've been kind of saving this. I wasn't really going to bring up the Packer game last week. But, man, i got to tell you, watching Tom Brady and the Buccaneers beat the Green Bay Packers made me so happy. Because Aaron Rodgers has as many NFC championship wins as Rex Grossman does. So that, that's why and this ties into the Garoppolo thing. Saying a quarterback went to a Super Bowl doesn't really impress me that much because, again, I watched Rex Grossman play in a Super Bowl. He was not that good. So I don't want to hear anyone talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and say, oh, he played in a Super Bowl. Doesn't cut it for me. I need more. Daryl chimes in again. Stafford is a stat compiler, so people are impressed by the numbers, but numbers lie, as I have often said. I say the same thing about Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is a stat patter. He doesn't win. I don't think he knows how to win, but he knows how to pad his stats. I don't necessarily want to put Stafford in the same category as Dak Prescott, but I could see times where he's been a stat compiler. And then Jonah chimes in again. Goff is just going to be a stopgap for the Lions. Doubt he goes anything. Doubt he does, excuse me, anything substantial. But it lets the Lions have more reasonable options with the number seven pick. And to speed up the rebuild while Goff is in Detroit until 2022 or 23. For example, Lions aren't forced to take Trey Lance at number seven and hope he's a good quarterback. Yeah, I, I, I've heard Trey Lance's name a lot. I think he's kind of a flyer. I think I'm seeing shades of Trubisky, but I don't want to say, I don't want to put them in the same boat because Trey Lance has more experience. But yeah, I I think if you drafted Trey Lance at number seven, you would be doing exactly that. You'd be hoping he's a good quarterback. Now you have someone who's 
I mean, I'm not saying Jared Goff's the worst quarterback in the league. Don't get me wrong here. I'm just not a fan. I mean, if he can put it all together, I mean, maybe he can be solid. I think solid at best. I don't think he's great. Here's another one. Played in the Super Bowl. That's great. So did Rex Grossman. That argument just doesn't do much for me. But I do think Goff is a solid quarterback. Exactly that. He is a solid quarterback. I, I wouldn't consider him one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Let's put it that way. But now, like you said, if you're Detroit, you don't have to take Trey Lance at number seven and hope he pans out. But now we just need to know what's next for the Bears. Who's their quarterback going to be? It better not be Nick Foles. If Nick Foles is starting quarterback, Bears aren't making the playoffs. I don't know if I'd hate Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know if I'd... Again, a very Lonzo Ball-esque situation, except I wouldn't be disappointed with a Lonzo trade. I think I would be a little bit disappointed if the Bears instead take Jimmy Garoppolo. If they trade for him, sign him, whatever they have to do. Is he a free agent? I don't know if he's a free agent or if he's just on the trade block. You get my point. If he's a starting quarterback for the Bears, I will be disappointed. A little bit, because I really think you can do better than that. I got about five minutes here, so I do want to remind people that Drake needs to be ranked. Oh, before I move on here, uh, it could be Jared Goff. Lions could also just flip him for a day three pick and have no dead cap. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. A lot of options there with the Jared Goff pick. That's from Jonah. Yeah, this is just your regular reminder that Drake needs to be ranked in the AP poll. Did anyone else watch the Missouri State Series this week? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? Drake coming off a COVID shutdown, swept Missouri State at Missouri State at JQH Arena, one of the toughest arenas to play in. It didn't look great in the first half of the first game, but they came back to win that one. The second game, they held off Missouri State, who's an underrated team in the Valley. Drake needs to be ranked. Let's look at the AP top 25 from last week. This will drop tomorrow. We'll get a fresh AP poll tomorrow. But I want to look at last week's because Drake got votes, as they have been. And Loyola got votes. All right, this is week nine. Nope, I'm a week off, I think. Oh, the AP site's not working for me here. Released January 18th. Tomorrow's February 1st. I'm out a week. Again, I'm acting as my own producer here again, so you got to bear with me here. i got to find the AP poll from last week. There we go, week 10. This is more like it. Yeah, because there's the 75 votes Drake got. They're the de facto number 27 team in the country. They need to be ranked. They need to be in the top 25. I want to say they're number 9 in the net rankings now, which is really impressive for a Missouri Valley team. That's the highest any any Valley team's been since the net started in 2019, 2018. And also in here, in the others receiving votes category, Loyola Chicago getting 12 votes. And I'm sure that number will go up now. Because they put on a clinic against Bradley. I agree with some of the sentiments about the Loyola team this year. This is Porter Moser's deepest team since the Final Four, and I think it's his best team since the Final Four. I think this team could give the Final Four team a run for its money. 
Cameron Crutwig again joining Elite Company. He's alongside Larry Bird, Hersey Hawkins, and Oscar Robertson as the top four, as arguably the top four players in the in the Valley history. I really like this Loyola team, and I again tomorrow tomorrow the poll comes out. I expect Loyola to get more votes, and I really hope that Drake ends up in the top twenty-five because let me see, did Louisville lose this week? It's tough to follow all the basketball games sometimes. Uh, Louisville lost to Clemson on Wednesday. So I'm guessing Louisville will be out of the top 25. Let me see what Boise State did. Because that will determine. Because Boise State was ahead of Drake in the others receiving votes category. They received 108. And Boise State beat Colorado State 85-77 on Friday, 70, and they lost 78-56 on Wednesday. So Boise State might drop out of the rankings now. So yeah, I think Drake needs to Drake needs to jump into the rankings. I think they need to be your number 25 team, if not your number 24 team, because Oklahoma beat Alabama yesterday, which, holy cow, what a game. Again, SEC Big 12 Challenge, man. That is just a fun series every year. I look forward to that every year. And yesterday I was working the day shift at the bar, 12 to 6. There wasn't hardly anybody in there. So I threw on college basketball all day and I was watching all the games. And man, I love that series. Illinois, also speaking of ranked teams, by the way, big win over Iowa on Friday. That was a big win for Brad Underwood's team. Wasn't sure how that game would go. Illinois was favored by two and a half. I I really thought that Iowa would have been favored and you can't bet on college sports in Illinois, on FanDuel, DraftKings, etc. But if you could, I'd have told you to take Iowa in the points, plus two and a half. Glad we couldn't, because I'd have been way off. Illinois won that game, uh, what was the final score, 74-71, something like that. So big win for Illinois as well. But yeah, AP poll comes out tomorrow. I hope Drake's number 25 at least. And I expect Loyola to get a few more votes as well, because they, they their name was getting out there on social media this week. That was quite the performance. And we had a full week of Valley basketball this week, by the way. The only day we didn't have any was Friday. That was great. I can get used to this. I can get used to Valley games every day. And especially with two teams that, I mean, I've gone on the record many times and said the Valley should not, probably won't be a two-bid league. You're hearing... You're hearing talk of a two-bit Valley, and even Joe Lenardi's saying that. And I'm going to look for his bracketology this week as well. And I want to see if he has two Valley teams in the tournament because he's had one consistently all year, and it's been Drake. Because Drake's a really good team. And that series, February 13th and 14th, that's going to be a fun series between Loyola and Drake. And I, I said this during, I think I said this during my Valley Live on Monday. I have never been happier to not have Valentine's Day plans to cancel because I will be watching Loyola Drake. Actually, I think I worked that night, so I'll make sure it's not at the bar and no one's going to be able to turn it off because that's going to be series of the year, hands down. It's going to be just a heavyweight fight. It's noon. I'm out of time. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to Jonah and Daryl for chiming in on Twitter. That is all I have for this week. Missouri Valley Live coming at you tomorrow on my Twitter page. Stay tuned for that. we got a full slate of Valley basketball today. Believe in Bulls coming out Wednesday. Talking Lonzo Ball, maybe Zach Levine, Tom Thibodeau's return to Chicago, and more. 
Thank you again, everybody, for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask. Be careful out on the roads today, everyone. Be careful in the snow. And I hope to talk to you all next week. Have a great week, everybody.